Hey, everybody. This is Jordan McConnell with the Crohn's Veteran Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am joined by a very special guest hailing from Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada, Darren Steike. How you doing, man? I am absolutely fantastic, Jordan. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. The pleasure, the pleasure is all mine. I've, I've been looking forward to this interview. Um, you know, really excited. You know, there's um, you know, May is, uh, I believe, uh, Crohn's and Colitis you know, Awareness Month, and so um, and, and, you know, so they know. So the more you know, we can do to kind of you know, bring awareness, you know, internationally, you know, the better. So, so again, thank you so much. Uh, um, you're very welcome. So cool. So, uh, so first off, um, you know, before we get into your IBD story, you know, um, you know, you know, who, you know, who is a uh, who is Darren? You know, um, what are you doing up there, man? Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> originally I'm from British Columbia, where it's a lot uh, warmer. Um, I spent some time in the Kootenays. That's where I was was born, and and then uh, I lived on Vancouver Island. Um, for about 10 years. That's where I went to uh, high school and university and my parents and my siblings uh, lived there. And in 2000, uh, the oil boom was was going good in, in Alberta and I had an opportunity to move to Grand Prairie. Uh, I was going to move here for just a couple of months, maybe a year, and then head back to the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. And 22 years later <laughs> wow. and three kids later, um i haven't left it's it's been um you know the the city is a young city almost a hundred thousand people it's growing very quickly um can be a little bit conservative at times but it is a um there's a lot of opportunity here and you know a, a great comparison i always use is back home um somebody at tim hortons serving coffee could make seven eight dollars an hour uh in grand prairie they're making 16 17 18 20 dollars an hour um everything just pays more um so the financial opportunities here and and to raise a family and be able to do things with them is amazing so i mean just a quick side of that so like so you're saying so people get paid well for you know for like you know like like a you know coffee barista or whatever but how is the how's the actual local cost of living otherwise you know like you know because Canada is kind of known for absolutely and and it can be expensive here uh kind of depending right so for example my mom's in Nanaimo right now she's getting ready to retire she wants to move to the Okanagan Kelowna Penticton Mm -hmm. uh, on the lake there and the housing market in in on Vancouver Island is crazy uh $600,000 $600,000 house are, are selling for $1.2, $1.3 million sight unseen. Um, in Grand Prairie, we don't have that issue. The, the housing pricing is pretty good, but rent is, you know, I'm living in a five bedroom house right now and I pay $2,500 a month rent. Uh, it's a lot of money. Um, vehicles cost a lot of money. Gas, like everywhere, costs a lot of money. Um, but you, you know, for everything else, the cost of living isn't, isn't too bad, maybe a little bit on the higher end, but in line with the rest of the, the country and inflate how inflation's playing out. Um, but it's not too bad. Interesting. So like, so what is uh, something, you know, what is something I guess being up for the audience like that, you know, if, if, if you're to visit, if someone was to visit there for fun, 
like you know like what can they do like you know what's the, what, <laughs> like what's that area known for well grand prairie is in northern alberta so our winter starts in september um we usually have snow by by halloween mm -hmm. um and it lasts well it tried snowing yesterday and it's may um but we we go from plus 15 to minus three usually in may and then near the end of may summer kicks in uh but our winters are minus 30 minus 40 degrees celsius and we get a lot of snow so uh the downside of that is we're in the flatlands um you can see for miles and miles there's no mountains up here unless you drive for a couple of hours. So the skiing isn't great. It's more like skiing on a hill compared to the Kootenays where we had amazing ski resorts. Um, but we have the largest uh, softball community in North America in Grand Prairie. So softball is a big sport here. Lots of golf, lots of great golfing, um, a lot of walking and hiking and camping uh, up here. We're four hours away from Edmonton, which is our major city, okay. uh, closest city to us. So we don't have the huge malls. We don't have the uh, huge shopping centers and amusement parks, uh, but there's a lot of family orientated things to do here. And then in the winter, um, if you're not curling uh, or, or, or cross country skiing, you're huddled inside your house trying to stay warm until the temperature goes up a bit. Oh, I, spent, um, well, I spent I spent 14 years in the in the, in the state of, of Nebraska. Yeah. And, and so and, and that's it's no joke. It's cold, it, cold, cold, like I was there so it's kind of I was listening to you say, you know, about winter and stuff. And yeah, it can snow from October to April. And I think yeah. and, and I think, you know, and, and it's snowing maybe the first day or two of May is not is not unheard of either, right? No. You know, and it's and the and the coldest the coldest it's ever been there. Like actually, I've been in Las Vegas um, about a year, a little over a year, and um, and it was and so like last February um, before we moved, it was like negative twenty one Fahrenheit. So I don't know what that force had to be to Celsius, but it's still. It's still pretty gnarly, so it's still pretty, it's still pretty cold. Absolutely, I I was amazed when, you know, if I talk to friends of mine in the states or on the west coast, and they, you know, I'll, I'll say, hey, I'll give you a call. I just have to plug in my truck, and they mm -hmm. don't know what that means. They what they're like, is it an electric truck? Is it a uh, a Tesla? No, no, no. We we have to plug our vehicles in at night so we can start them in the morning because it's cold. Uh, they don't understand that. They've never seen that, which I think is it's kind of cute. But <laughs> I, will, I will. Well, um, I'm, I'm moving on a little bit. Um, you know, I saw you know I saw you on, on LinkedIn, right? And so you know, and I saw you know you know, this, you know, huge scar in your stomach and stuff. And I, you know, you're kind of, you know, kind of saying, you know, all these struggles with, you know, IBD and, uh, and so, um, you know, so if you could do me a big favor and, you know, you know, run me through, you know, your, your personal journey with IBD for, you know, in, you know, for the folks listening. Absolutely. So um, in 2013, uh, I was 33 years old. And I started getting symptoms, um, bloating after I ate, and a sharp pain, 
in my uh, abdominal section. And like most guys my age, I, you know, ah, it's a stomach ache or it's a bug, it'll, it'll go away on its own, um, but it never quite resolved. And in, in Grand Prairie, we have an amazing internal medicine IBD division and uh, a renowned doctor um, across the country. But I didn't know what internal medicine was. I didn't know what IBD was. Um, it, it ran in my family, but you know, you hear Crohn's disease and you think, no, okay, it's something to do with their eating. So I never gave it much thought. Right. Um, but the pain would get to a point where I would stop eating. Um, if it was supper time, I was hungry, I would not eat because I didn't want to lay on the couch in pain afterwards. Um, so I started losing weight and I don't have a whole lot of weight to begin with. I'm not a huge guy with a lot of extra weight. Um, so I finally went to the doctor and they referred me to uh, the internal medicine specialist. Uh, her name's Dr. Westra. And if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. I, I can almost guarantee that. Um, she did a colonoscopy and uh, said, you know what, there's some scarring on your, your intestines and, and uh, you have aggressive Crohn's disease. So she gave me some books to read and, and uh, we started the, the regimen that most people with IBD start. Uh, you start small um, with steroids, uh, oral steroids and uh, Pentassa, and, and you go through the whole list to see if there's any alleviation. Uh, nothing was working with for me. And I ended up on uh, anzathioprine, uh, otherwise known as Imuran. Okay. I have a cousin uh, who also has Crohn's disease. He's the same age and, and he's been taking Imur Imuran for years and has had no symptoms. So we thought, oh, this is great. Mm. The symptoms started to alleviate a little bit. And then uh, late 2013, I, I went for a nice steak dinner and I went home um, and I had called 911 because I, I developed a blockage and the pain, like well, I couldn't stand up. I, I couldn't stand up. Um, I, I was having a shower, collapsed in the shower, and I had to uh, crawl my way to, to my phone in my bedroom. Uh, I called my parents, and um, my dad said, why are you calling us? So he goes, so let's call 911, like, because I live by myself. So mm -hmm. my other phone, I'm on, on the one phone with my parents, the other phone with 911. Um, and the, the paramedics arrived, um, and I was carted off to the, the hospital and, uh, they gave me some morphine, no effect. Uh, it, it ended up having to be some fentanyl to actually take, take the pain away. And uh, I had a, a abdominal x-ray and a CT and they said, uh, you have a blockage and, and we're going to have to operate. Um, I'd never had a major operation before and, um, I, I was quite scared. I, I didn't know kind of what was going on. I, I, I still didn't really grasp the disease that I had. Um, I was a little bit in denial, you know, I, I knew I was taking a lot of pills and I knew I wasn't feeling very good, 
but I didn't think I had this life altering disease. I, I just, I wasn't willing to accept that. Um, so I go in the hospital, I'm admitted and uh, a surgeon comes in and kind of explains what they're gonna do. And, and, and this is why I really like sharing my story because a lot of people who get diagnosed with IBD, whether it's colitis or Crohn's, most of them at some point are gonna have to face a surgery. And you're given expectations to that surgery and it's always the rosy, everything is gonna be great, piece of cake, we do thousands of these in and out. Um, and the surgeon explained to me, you know, we're going to do it laparoscopically. You're going to have very minimal scarring in the hospital for three days. We're just going to take a little chunk of your intestine out. Uh, two, three weeks, you'll be back to normal. Mm -hmm. So I had the surgery um, and I woke up uh, sometime late in the afternoon. I had a friend there. Um, so I, I wasn't by myself. And, um, you know, after surgery, you want to go to the bathroom. That's the biggest key that it works. And they're really pushing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did notice when I first woke up, I didn't have two or three little scars. I had one big scar. And uh, that took me by surprise. And, you know, you have staples, you're in a lot of pain, you're on a morphine pump. So the surgeon came in and he explained, you know, we, we need you to go to the bathroom, but you had a lot more diseased intestine than we thought. Um, your appendix, you know, it's wrapped around your appendix. So we had to take that out as well. And we had to take your ileum out. Now, I didn't know what an ileum was. And he just, just basically said, you know, you're not gonna have any foreign bowel movements from here on out, but you're gonna feel better. And um, once you go to the bathroom, everything's gonna be great. That is, um, I can tell you before you always better that because I've, I mean, if you listen to my show at all, you know that that's my experience. Yeah. I, you know, I've had my penis taken out. I've had my alien taken out. I've had some of my colon taken out. And, you know, and how you know, and if your experience is anything like mine, it is that rosy, my friend. It, they really jack you up. And, and even after then, you know, I, I was on my way to the bathroom. I thought I was going to go. And then I had this like black ooze dripping down my leg, puddling on the floor. And I, I've never seen that before. I, I didn't know what it meant. So I'm screaming for a nurse. And then of course you're embarrassed because you, you pooped yourself. Right. Um, but it didn't look any like anything I'd seen. And, and she saw that and, and wiped it up and said, oh, Darren, it's okay. It's okay. And and this isn't to rip on the staff at the Grand Prairie Hospital in any in any way, but for the next two to three hours, I was in pain. I was sweating. I was pale. And my friend would go get a nurse and a nurse would come in and say, hey, it's probably just some gas pain. You're okay. In reality, my intestinal connection had broken completely off. So I was in the process of going septic. I was in sepsis. And uh, after about an hour, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. That's how much the pain was. I, I was maxing out my morphine pump, nothing. I, I can't explain the pain, um, but I was screaming at the top of my lungs and the nurse would come in and say, Darren, you have to be quiet. You're disturbing other patients. And I said, I can't. 
So finally, my friend, he went to the nurse's desk and he started yelling and said, you guys have to get a doctor. He, he is white like a ghost. His eyes are rolling back in his head. So finally, the surgeon came back and he looked at me for five seconds. And, and I don't remember any of this, but um, I was losing consciousness at this point. But he, I was wheeled out of my room within 30 seconds on the way to OR for emergency surgery. Uh, I had an, another emergency resection. And when I woke up this time around, now things are a little bit different. I'm in the same room. I have a tube stuck down my nose, a gastral tube. I have a large scar again, that's been restapled and bandaged. But I have this stoma now. I didn't even know what a stoma was. If somebody asked me before that what a stoma was, I would have had, I would have thought it was a mushroom. No idea. And a nurse came in and explained, hey, you have an ileostomy. It's temporary, but it's going to be doing the work that your intestines do so that they can heal because we've reattached them. Well, I developed uh, while I'm processing this, and, and this is the, the second reason I like explaining my story is people with Crohn's and colitis don't have good surgeries. And it's not because the doctors are bad or the surgeons are bad. It's because we have an immune system that is so depleted that a healthy person with a healthy immune system can, can take the, the, um, the punishment your body takes from surgery and heal itself where we really struggle to do that. So my body was having struggle, it was struggling healing itself. So I developed um, post-op infection. Um, I had post-op infection in my incision. I had post-op uh, fistulas that had developed on my back. And, you know, but again, rosy glasses, everything's going to be okay. So they sent, they sent me home. Um, I was back in ER four days later because my incision had opened up. And um, so I spent another three weeks in the hospital fighting the infections. I had two pigtail drains inserted into my groin for the fistulas. They were connected to bags, strapped to my ankles, collecting whatever they were collecting. I had an ileostomy and I had a incision and where had it had opened up at the bottom was an open wound. So every day I had to go to the hospital and I had to get dressing shoved into it. And then they left it open. Um, I had a vacuum on it for a period of time, but you're dealing with all this and Crohn's and your life isn't normal. It was not a quick in and out. And I remember laying in bed one night, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning, my ileostomy bag had burst. And this is where the mental health aspect comes in. If you want to talk about humiliation, even though I was by myself, I'm laying in my bed, it's two in the morning, covered in feces. 
I'm trying to keep it from getting into my open wound. And you, you lay there and you, you almost, you quit because you say, I can't, I have two kids, I have a job. You're trying to live a normal life and you're laying in your bed covered in feces and you're, you're trying to put your ileostomy bag back on and put a new seal on, which is a process in on itself. You're trying to barrier this open wound and an incision that's still healing. Plus you have two drains in your groin. Getting out of bed sometimes was, it'd take me, uh, I'd lay in bed in the morning and it'd take me two hours to get out. Cause I just didn't, it, everything was different. And, and I was promised or, or told over and over that everything would be just fine. And it wasn't. And I didn't have a resource to go to. And um, so I started getting very, very depressed. And, you know, but I, I, I still tried to do things that were, were important. Um, you know, my, my dad was uh, my best friend, my biggest fan. And he, he was sick. He, he had diabetes and diabetes with um, cardiovascular disease. He had quadruple bypass surgery and a pacemaker and um, he had issues with circulation. He, he was in a lot of pain, um, but he loved, he loved hockey. He loved the Vancouver Canucks. He lived in Nanaimo on the island, Vancouver Island. So I got tickets to the Heritage Classic in Vancouver for him. Um, Vancouver was playing Ottawa. And uh, I flew there and we got to spend the weekend watching the hockey game. But it was hard because I had this ileostomy bag. I just discovered the belt that you can get with it that, so that it doesn't hang down and pull on your stoma. But even in Vancouver, we were in a hotel and I'd have to get in the car. I'd have to drive to the hospital in Vancouver so they could take the dressing out of my open wound and put a new dressing in. Um, so I tried to do normal things, but it's not normal. And um, you put on a brave face and, and, and you see somebody with Crohn's, you see somebody who's had a surgery and they look like they're doing fine. And they're, they're putting on this brave face, but underneath it sucked. It, it, it was the worst thing I've, I've and, and I've had some adversity, you know, I had West Nile virus when I was 16. I had encephalitis. I, uh, I had a seizure and went into a coma. I spent months at the Vancouver Children's Hospital. Uh, I lost my, my 23 year old sister in 2009. I lost my dad in 2015. Uh, I've had a divorce. I've lost my house. I had to fight for my kids. I, I've had adversity. This, it was the worst thing I'd gone through in, in my life. Now, after six months of having the stoma and ileostomy bag, and I went back so they could reverse it. And, and they figured, okay, it's been six months. Your intestines have healed. We're going to take down your ileostomy, reconnect your intestine. Um, of course, they still have to open up that big incision again. So I went in the hospital and, and the surgery was good. 
the connection was good. I went to the bathroom, ileostomy was gone. But of course, our immune systems are not that great. So I had post-op infection again. Mm. So instead of a five-day hospital stay, it was a 26-day hospital stay. The Olympics, uh, which at that time in, was um, Sochi, Russia, started and ended while I was in the hospital. I, I remember actually as one of the, cause I couldn't sleep. Um, I was uh, really struggling with the morphine though. So I couldn't sleep, I got insomnia, and, but I got to watch the Olympics live because they were on during the night. And then um, I try to sleep during the day, but uh, I developed fistulas again. I needed pigtail drains again. Um, and uh, I, I got depressed again, you know, 15 days in the hospital, you just get depressed and having to insert drains into your groin for a guy is depressing. And um, I was frustrated that I, I couldn't seem to get over the hump. And this was supposed to be, you know, my stoma who I named Arthur, by the way, I, developed a relationship with him. That was the only way I remained sane or accepted the fact that I had a stoma. And I tell you, I appreciate the men and women that live with a stoma indefinitely. Um, it, it was hard. It was really hard, but I was just happy. I didn't miss them. I was happy it was gone, but I couldn't go home. And um, there's a picture of me in a hospital gown and I'm walking in the hospital. I did a lot of walking, but I was always hooked up to a catheter, always hooked up to an IV with the pain meds and the antibiotics. And it was a train. And, and of course I, I smoked back then. Um, I, I, I quit in 2016, great, Probably. but back then I smoked. So of course I'm trying to get outside right, where it's right. cold. But I, I have this picture and I'm walking and uh, uh, my, my youngest daughter's mom sent me a picture and, uh, of, of my daughter, Brooke, and she had her house coat on and she had this toy that looked like a, it looked like a IV stand. So I, I, uh, she sent me this picture and, and my, my daughter, she must have been uh, four and a half years old. She had this, uh, she had a house coat on and, and uh, little slippers uh, like I was wearing. And she had this toy of hers. It, it belonged to her kitchen, I think, but it was tall and it had a big white, looked like, a, looked like an IV stand. And she was pushing it around the living room. And she said, I'm just being like dad. And because that's how they saw me, you know, pushing around in, in a possible gown, pushing around this IV. Um, so it, it was depressing. But after three, three and a half weeks, uh, I finally got to go home. And um, I started taking my Crohn's disease seriously. <clears throat> um, but I felt better. I was eating better. The fatigue uh, was gone. And uh, I started working out. I started tanning because it made me feel really good and uh, got into to softball. 
got into golf, got into curling, all the things I really wanted to do, I got into. And I was really, uh, I think I was on Amiran for a bit, but I, I was feeling really good. And I got just about six and a half, seven years of symptom-free life. But with Crohn's uh, or colitis or, or IBD, you know, little things can turn into big things and victories can turn into defeats. And um, I, I started on biologicals in, in 2019. Uh, I started Remicade. But of course, right around the same time, uh, I lost my job. The economy started going down. There's a big downturn in the economy. And uh, I went into a bit of a depression again. And of course, I couldn't afford the Remicade. So I just dropped it. I just went off of it. And uh, if I was still able to be on that Remicade, I could have prevented my, my, my last uh, surgery. I, I really believe that. But because I got off of it, um, come 2020, I started getting some more symptoms, the, the bloating, uh, the fatigue and lethargy feeling. I knew something was going on, but what's really neat in Grand Prairie and, and Dr. Westra is in Canada, there's two ultrasound machines specifically made for IBD. Oh, wow. That's and uh, they're just like an ultrasound machine, but they're a little bit more sensitive. They work a little bit differently and they allow you to avoid the colonoscopy. They can get actually a really good heat map and picture of your intestinal tract. And uh, so I went and started going for a few of those and then a few colonoscopies. Um, and they determined, you know, you're, it is so aggressive that we want you to, to, to get back on the Remicade, get back on the biological. Um, I started taking Julio, which was an alt version of, of Remicade. Okay. Um, same thing, a little bit cheaper, and it was an, a self-injected instead of the IV. Um, but we're gonna get you to take this for six months just to see if we can get the inflammation down a little bit, but we are gonna have to, to operate and take this, another section of intestine out. Um, this created a lot of anxiety for me on top of the two years of COVID and uh, the anxiety that comes with that and, and your kids, you know, we all got COVID, the kids got it, we got it. Um, and we're all, you know, we're lucky enough to get on Omicron and we're all vaccinated. So we're, 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 we made out okay, but there's anxiety that comes with it, yeah. and especially yeah. because we're immunocompromised. Um, but uh, I, I'm, you know, I don't think I have PTSD and, and I don't say that. I, I say that because I've seen PTSD, you know, um, I have a twin brother, fraternal twin brother. He's a lot taller and a lot bigger than me and has red hair and blue eyes. It's crazy you say that because I said I have a fraternal brother and, you know, and, and I'm 5'8 and he's like 5'11 and he's like 50 pounds bigger than me. Like oh, yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we, we got ripped off, Jordan, some, <laughs> somehow. I, I like to think I got the intelligence and the looks and he just <laughs> ate in there, but that's what he'd beat me up if I said that. I never say that to his face, so. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I, I uh, 
my my brother was a firefighter in a in a town a couple hours away just north of Edmonton and uh you know one night he, he Christmas Eve he was responding to a call several years ago and um he was responding to a house fire and um it was about four in the morning and this SUV didn't notice his lights and sirens and pulled into an intersection and he hit her with a tanker truck loaded uh t-boned her and of course as a firefighter he's also an emr so he's trying to revive her he can't she dies in his arms and she was eight months pregnant that's terrible and she you know he lost his job uh he was married with four kids he that ended in divorce he went into a huge depression took him years to get out of and he struggles with PTSD and and I always thought you know what I've had it bad and uh, my experiences or surgery were bad but they weren't that bad and so I, I never thought I had PTSD until I went to a psychiatrist psychologist therapist and they said no you're you have PTSD you you your your previous experiences with your surgeries has created your anxiety and even though you're symptom free all these years from your IBD you're still dealing with it because it's caused a mental health issue for you and I I was just in denial for so long because I said I mentally I'm strong you know my sister passed away I was a rock my dad passed away I was a rock and I said no I'm too strong mentally for that I and it took me a long time to to accept the fact that no I'm not uh I'm not immune to that and and I I have I have mental health issues that I have to address so leading up to this surgery was a process for me um I was given Ativan and um you know I talked to my mom every night every single night I talked to my mom without fail and uh that came from she used to talk to my sister every night so I filled that in when my sister passed away and then I talked to my dad every night for years and years and years and then when he passed away she filled that in so we just talk and uh she's you got to be positive this is going to go good you're in a, a better shape um you've been on your biologicals you're you're good and uh but it was still very driving to the hospital uh on the morning of April 21st was a tough drive I uh, had I'd taken a lot of Ativan because I, I was freaking out. I was freaking out going into the hospital. And, you know, we just had uh, a brand new hospital that opened up last September, um, a billion dollar health center with a cancer clinic and a learning academy. And every room is private and every room has a view and beautiful building, lots of light, but I was petrified of going in there. And I even asked, I said, I don't wanna know that I'm going into the OR, like put me out before then, or give me a cocktail so I don't know what's going on. And of course the nurse couldn't get an IV. She said, well, the anesthesiologist will put the IV in, in the OR. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Luckily for me, the end, uh, anesthesiologist was a um, 
the husband of my Crohn's doctor, Dr. Westra. So I felt good about that. And my surgeon was a new surgeon. Uh, he, he, he hadn't operated on me, but he, see my previous surgeries, I'd never met my surgeon before the surgery. Um, this surgeon that I had, he attended every appointment I had with my Crohn's doctor. He was there explaining it. He said, you know, I know you're anxious, but I'm going to use a different technique to, to heal up your intestine. I'm going to quadruple stitch it. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this works and there's no leaks and you're good. So that made me feel a little bit better. I, I know, I knew him. I felt like I had a relationship with him and I'd start to trust him. Uh, but I still remember going into the OR and, you know, transferring to the, the cold, flat bed. Um, and I, I was, I had anxiety, but the uh, anesthesiologist recognized that and he put me to sleep pretty quickly. I don't even remember counting down. Um, but I woke up to some similar feelings, the staples. Um, this time I had an eight and a half inch incision, 25 staples. Wow. I remembered that, <clears throat> but the morphine pump was gone. They don't do morphine pumps anymore. Now they just do uh, straight injections of hydromorph, which is a synthetic morphine, 10 times more potent. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. Now, did that actually work for you? It worked, um, but I wasn't a big fan of it because I got really high and um, they had to push gravel through my IV before they gave it to me or else I got I, the really nauseous feeling. Um, and to the point that I asked to switch to Tramacet orally, probably a lot sooner than I normally would have with normal morphine. Um, because I just, it, I, it was great at night when I was ready to go to sleep, but to get it at 10 in the morning, um, I, I just, it didn't make me feel very, very good, but um, I didn't have a nasal tube or NRG tube. Uh, I didn't have a stoma. I looked right away for that. Um, and that open wound that I got so many years ago that was like a crater in my stomach and my kids called my second belly button. He had sewn that up straight. Um, and he came to see me and he said, everything looked good. Um, they took about this much, about four and a half, five inches of intestine. Um, he said the surgery was two and a half hours and he was really happy. But of course I'm laying in bed and I'm preparing for the worst. This is when the post-op infection happens or the leak or the septus, sepsis. But I knew I just needed to go to the bathroom. And once I went to the bathroom, I'd feel good. I, I'd know that the connection held and it took a bit, but finally I, I called my common-law wife uh, that night, um, she'd come and visit during the day, but I was pretty drowsy, but I called her at night and I said, I pooped, I pooped, I pooped. <laughs> and um, then the next day I went to the bathroom and, the, and then I didn't go to the bathroom all day. So I said, oh, here we go. Well, I went to the bathroom that night and ever since I've been going to the bathroom normally to, to great joy. Wow. Um, 
every day they I, I started I, I did learn something from my last visit so I, I got out of bed four and a half hours after coming uh, conscious and I went for a, well I only walked to the door and back but my goal was to walk as much as possible as soon as possible and um, that night I was walking I had surgery at seven in the morning that night I was walking around the hospital um, but they took my catheter out right away. They took my IV. Uh, they just, I just had a, a, a portal on my arm. I wasn't connected to anything, um, which were completely different than my last visits. <clears throat> and uh, so I was walking free. I didn't have to push anything. Uh, I was very sore and, and tender, but um, I, I, I went in on a Thursday and I was discharged on Monday at noon and that was new that was a new experience for me I'd never uh, I wasn't expecting to stay that short but they said there was no signs of infections the blood work showed no signs of infections um, a couple of days ago I had my staples taken out and uh, of course I always look you know I can't look at my incision uh, until it's completely healed so I have a bandage over it all the time um, and stary strips because I'm paranoid and I have PTSD and I just keep thinking about it, opening it up, you know, opening. But um, I look at my stomach and I'm like, oh, is that distended? Is there infection there? Is it still kind of sore? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's sore. I, I, maybe it's infected. And, you know, my wife says, Darren, you just had an eight and a half inch hole put in your body two weeks ago your abdominal wall is sliced open and your abdominal wall is all muscle and it it takes weeks and weeks and weeks for that to fully heal but i forget that because i spent so long in the hospital in my previous days you know my my staples came out while i was still admitted this is the first time i actually went to the hospital from work and uh got my staples removed but i i took a week off and I went back to work. Um, luckily for me, I work in an office. I work at a desk. I don't have to lift anything heavy. Of course, we're moving at the end of this month, which is going to be interesting, but um, just to another house in, in Grand Prairie. Um, but I feel really good. Um, the PTSD is still there. The anxiety is still there. Infection can always come at any time. I'll probably two weeks from now, I'll feel a lot better or when I can start seeing uh, some scarring. Um, but today, for example, I feel better than yesterday. And today's the best I've, I've felt. Um, I resume my, my um, Julio biological next week. <clears throat> I'm starting up my diet a little bit more. And um, I feel good. This is the best experience I've had really, really at the hospital. I'm really, to, I'm really glad to hear that, man. I mean, that really makes me happy to hear somebody, you know, actually, you know, not living in misery. Type thing. So I'm feeling well, and I, I think it's really important that, you know, I've talked a lot about IBD and the stigma of it and how it's, it's you know, there's no ribbons for, for IBD. Um, having a special day or a special week or month for IBD is relatively new. And 
there's not a lot of awareness, but it is so common and so many people from all stripes and all types of jobs um, are affected by it. And they don't have a resource when they have to go into that hospital and they're told, hey, everything's gonna be fine. And then it's not. I, I, the story I wanna tell is that A, there is support. There is a lot of people that suffer from this and are living good productive lives. But we, it's, it's like you, you, have to, you have to earn your stripes. You have to pay your dues with Crohn's. There's no, some people I know, they, they get off pretty easy. They have it pretty easy. But I'd say those are the exception and not the rule. I would say, I would say so too. You know, most people somewhere in their, their, their IBD journey, there's some adversity. And you, you, you earn your stripes and you pay your dues and you learn. But eventually, there's good outcomes every now and then. And, you know, I know that I'll probably be back in the hospital in eight to 10 years and have another bowel resection. Uh, that'll happen indefinitely. But I know that, okay, you can have a good experience too. And for me, I was due. I was due to have a good one. And um, anxiety and depression and PTSD aside, I knew I, somewhere in my body, I knew I was going to have a good one here. And um, now I know, you know, I know I can get multiple years of symptom-free good living. Uh, and I'm going to spend that time besides enjoying it with my kids and, and advancing my, my career. Um, I, I manage health and safety at a corporate level in the oil and gas industry. That's what I've done for almost two decades. And um, I love my work and, and at work, we're expanding to an international uh, capacity. Um, within two, three years, I'm probably going to be spending some time in the Middle East and in South America, I'm gonna do some things that I haven't done before and I'm gonna live life, but I wanna advocate. I'm gonna spend my time advocating. Um, I was talking to a, to a nice young lady there um, a week ago who asked me to write a chapter for a book on IBD and Crohn's disease. Awesome. Um, my LinkedIn, uh, I was really taken back, actually, by my LinkedIn post. Um, 130,000 views, um, you know, 160, 170 comments, 30-some shares, and, and 1,300 reactions. Uh, it, it blew me away. And, um, but it got some attention, and I got some notice. And uh, I'm going to be doing some things with the, the Canadian Society for Crohn's and Colitis here in Canada. That's, that's uh, stuff with a gutsy walk. And I'm going to talk about it as much as possible because <clears throat> if I was to walk down the street in my neighborhood, I can guarantee that someone in some house suffers with some form of IBD. And I would never want to, you know, and this is what people, some people don't understand. We're we're not trying to take away from cancer. We're not trying to take away from multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease. We just want some attention on a, on a disease that affects a lot of people and it affects 
not just their intestinal and, and geo track, it, it affects your life. It affects how you live your life. It affects your relationships. For example, I can't get on an airplane if I'm sitting on a window seat. I need to be in the aisle and I need to know I can hit that bathroom. I've never used the bathroom on an airplane, but psychologically, I need to know that I can. Um, I can't drive as a passenger unless it's my, my wife. Um, there's times when I go out into the field uh, and I'm going with a coworker, I have to take my own vehicle, my own truck, because I need to be able to pull over if I need to. I usually don't, but I need to know that I can. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's, even though I'm feeling good and everything's going to be great, it still changes the way you live your life and how you approach things. And you need support because we're not all supermen or superwomen. We're not all as tough as we think we are and tell ourselves that we are. There's a lot of denial that comes with this. And I think the more advocation and the more attention it gets, the more people talk about it and their experiences, the less of that, the, the more that stigma is going to be released. And um, people that, that they, they'll realize that it's okay. It's okay to accept that there's a mental health part to this. And it's okay to feel anxiety when you're on an airplane. And it's okay to be able to tell your coworkers, look, I go to that bathroom 20 times a day. I can't help it. I can't control it, but I have to. And, you know, that's hard when you're in a workplace and you, you have a shared bathroom and you got to use that bathroom 20 times. And, uh, but, you know, I do, I do, I do my best in, in that regards, but I think the more more attention, the more people know about it, the more they're willing to talk about it, and the more they'll be able to get support for it. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And so, um, I mean, it's been it's been amazing talking to you, Darren, and just you know just listening to your story today, man. Like, I'm just beyond grateful. Yeah, I mean, your your journey. I mean, I used to smoke too, you know, for a while, and cigarettes and stuff. Like, you know, the stuff that you've been through. You know, I, you know, I relate to and empathize with more than more than you probably ever know. You which know, is, so. which is good. You know that it makes me as as weird as this might sound. It, it makes me feel better knowing that there's others that had that same experience. You know, because I think when you're in it, you feel all alone and you feel like you're the only person on earth that's going through it. And knowing that there's other people that have gone through that same thing is is huge. But I would love to do more of this with you, Jordan. Yeah, um, me too, man. Like absolutely. I feel like you know, there's more conversations to be had. You know. Oh yes. And so, oh, like, yes. I, I look forward to it. Like, uh, is this? Yeah, just just really just it's fascinating listening. Just listening to you know how you think. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you're going through this journey by yourself. You know, the mental health, PT, you know, PT, you know, complex PTSD, like depression. You know, like anxiety, like. Um, just, you know, ilium being gone, constant diarrhea, going to the bathroom all the time, constantly being sick, putting on a brave face, going to work every day, corporate America. I know, man. I know. Yeah. And so. And, and here so, we are. Here, we, here are. we are. Right. You know, doing it. Doing Keep it. Keep trucking. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, so, 
I, I have a picture of, of me when I was at my, my, my lowest, my lowest weight. I was very thin and, and I'll send some of these pictures to you, Jordan. Um, okay. Um, and it, it, I was wearing a, a blue long sleeve shirt and a hat and a vest and it, it hung on me and my face was very gait. It, it was very thin, I, I, I didn't look good. And then in 2018, uh, I started a workout regimen. I put on a lot of weight. I was uh, working out every day. I put right. on some really good muscle mass. And I, I put the same shirt on, the same hat, the same vest. And I took a picture. I put them side by side. I, and I filled that shirt out. I do my hat that. barely fit. And my vest was tight. And I just looked like a million bucks in my eyes. And so I'm looking forward to getting over, uh, getting healed from this surgery and then um, I, working out and putting on weight. And then you feel so good. And man, you, well, yeah, Crohn's got nothing. Crohn's has nothing on me, Jordan. Facts, exactly. No, we, you know, we overcome, right? We do. And so like, uh, so with that, you know, I want you to check out my website, you know, so they use the Crohn'sveteran.com you know, go to the Crohn's Veteran store, check, you know, take it, you know, I know you're in Canada, so get a hoodie, you know, it's on me, okay, you know. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's funny, it's funny that you say that, you know, you're in your stripes because if you go to my website, that's the first thing you see is that you've you earned your, you've earned your IBD stripes, you know, yeah. so, and so, um, so you definitely earned yours, man. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, real quick, you know, if people want to reach out to you, so they'll support you um, or just, you know, drop you a line you know, to, to, to say hi, you know, how can they do that? Uh, you know what? Uh, LinkedIn is a, is a great way. Um, or uh, they can just shoot, shoot me an email. And uh, my email address is uh, the best one to, to use for me is, is Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at ripmonkey.tech. And uh, it's on my LinkedIn profile. Um, Monkey has no E in it, but that's my, my side hustle, my website development company there that I, that I do on the side. Um, uh, but just look me up on LinkedIn, shoot me a message. Uh, okay. I, I love to talk about it. I'm a talker. And um, let's talk about uh, website design because, you know, I'm always looking to know to improve here. So um, absolutely. That'd, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, and, um, and to everybody listening out there, you know, if you, of course, if you found value. If you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, support, share. Absolutely. All that stuff. Um, you know, I, you know, this this show, the labor of love. You know, I do this just to raise awareness. You know, to help people. Um, you know, and uplift the IBD community worldwide. And so, you know, so please, you know, if you're listening to my show, help help me by sharing by sharing Darren's story to us, you know, to to the to the far reaches of the globe. So, absolutely more so, shares the better definitely definitely and so um again if you want to uh, uh if you're interested in an interview on the, on my show you can reach me at jordan at crohn'sveteran.com uh, my website is www.crohn'sveteran.com uh you can check out the store crohn'sveteranstore.com they're very creative that's where and, i'm going uh, right now buddy right and then uh and then uh, we've got a youtube channel you, you can hear the podcast on of course spotify uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, please support us. Much, you know, much respect, man. 
and I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Jordan. You're doing an absolutely wonderful thing, and um, I look forward to helping you any way I can, brother. Thank you. I, I really, I really appreciate it. It means a lot, Darren. And.